Hey guys, Lucas Cursor here at Method Ministries and welcome back to another episode. Hope everybody is doing well. Today we're going to be asking and answering the question, do babies when they die, do they go to heaven? And this episode um, I'm excited to do because I recently have better understood the Wesleyan doctrine on why they believe that all babies when they die, they go to heaven. And I think it's the best defense for why a Christian can walk away confident in the scriptures, have the assurance that when babies die, they do in fact go to heaven. And I mentioned that because um, to my surprise, I actually found out that some some Christians, they they actually don't accept this. And, and, and not even in the sense that they just reject it, but that they put it in the place of mystery where they don't know if babies go to heaven or not. And they say that, you know, um, we should just trust in God and, you know, the idea that God will do what's right, which I completely agree with them. God will do what's right. We can't trust in God. But I believe if we look at the scriptures and study it systematically, we can walk away with confidence that, yeah, infants, when they die, when they perish, they do, in fact, go to heaven. And the Wesleyans, Wesleyanism has the best defense for this. And I'm surprised more people don't talk about it because it's almost like, you know, you have this doctrine of original sin because original sin comes comes into play with infant salvation, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But original sin, um, what, what a lot of people, I guess the best way to explain this, what a lot of people don't don't really talk about in the Wesleyan tradition, or or I haven't heard much about it. If they do, you know, I, you know, that's just me not hearing about it. But that original sin has a counter truth to it, which is original grace. So original grace is a corresponding truth to original sin. So original grace and original sin are two truths in the scripture that are taught, and it comes down to the fact that there are two atoms in the scripture. The first atom brought death. The second atom brought life. And if you know your Bible, you know that I'm talking about Jesus Christ and the first created man, Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. Jesus, in him, all will live, the scriptures say. And in, in the first Adam, in him, all will die. So Jesus is the counter-truth to the first Adam. What the first Adam did, the second Adam undid. The first Adam brought uh, death. The second Adam brought life. Christ is, is the, the truth that corresponds to the first Adam. So we're not hopeless. And this comes into play with infant salvation. So let's let's talk about it. So why why do Wesleyans believe that babies go to heaven when they die? So first thing I want to do is um, um, I have a couple books to quote from. The first one I have is the Catechism of Christian Faith and Doctrine. That's from the Global Methodist Church. And I'm going to read regarding um, infant baptism. So the Wesleyan Church actually brings in their doctrine of infant salvation to baptism. Which is very unique. I don't know anybody I'm, or any other confession. You know, maybe there is a, is a confession out there that places or bleeds over its doctrine of infant salvation into infant baptism, which is really cool. Uh, and you know, again, this is why I, I'm excited to talk about this because Wesleyan has a has a unique, a very unique understanding and defense of infant baptism. Or, I'm sorry, of infant salvation, and that bleeds over into infant baptism. So that's why I'm talking or bringing up uh, the catechism. And giving the confession of faith regarding this. So the question uh, before us in this catechism, and, and that is uh, question number 41, maybe, bap maybe baptized children? And the answer is yes, we believe children are under the atonement of Christ and, uh, and as heirs of the kingdom of God are acceptable subjects for Christian baptism. So the reason why the, the the global Methodists and you know even the Methodists, can, uh, the UMC you know, before it, which, which um, was identical or in agreement with this, this confession regarding infant baptism. The reason why they're saying we can baptize our babies is because they are under the atonement of Christ. 
So all babies are under the atonement of Christ. So that is why babies go to heaven. Now, you know, you know that's that that's that's a simplified version of it. So let's go into you know why that is the case because that's a lot to unpack. Well, wait a minute, Lucas. All all babies are under the atonement of Christ. Why uh, why does the Wesleyan's doctrine can you know confess that? Why you know why are they saying that? Where's where's the scriptural truth for this? So that's what we're here to talk about. And as I mentioned, um, you know, I got a couple of books books to uh, read or quote from regarding this. And the next one I'm going to quote from is Richard Watson, Theological Institutes, Volume Two. Great, great Methodist systematic. I recommend that you get it. I just started reading it. I'm on volume two. Volume one, one is rough. Um, I didn't read the whole thing. Um, you know, I had to give up on it on certain points because it was very, very deep. And I just skimmed past um, and went to volume two. But I recommend you get the systematic. It's always good to have a systematic. That way you can just go to certain topics and, uh, you know, put it back in the bookshelf and take it off when you need it. So Richard Watson, when he defends infant baptism... You know, I know, uh, you know, I'm talking about, again, infant baptism. Again, this isn't about infant baptism, but it, it comes down to, to this or it bleeds over into this. And that's when you really understand the Wesleyan doctrine of infant salvation. Uh, you look at their doctrine of infant baptism. Not all, not completely. Not, you know, not, not every reason for infant salvation is there, but it comes up when they talk about baptism. Because, it, uh, again, it bleeds over into it. So that's why I'm quoting from their, their defense of infant baptism. So I'll read from Richard Watson's, a quote from him on page 776. And Richard Watson says this, We gladly admit, in opposition to the Calvinist Baptists, that all children, dying before actual sin committed, are admitted into heaven through the merits of Christ. But for this very reason, it follows that infants are proper subjects to be introduced into his church on earth. So Watson says, we, we gladly admit in opposition to the Calvinist Baptists that all children dying before actual sin committed are admitted into heaven through the merits of Christ. So another way to say that is what the Methodist Confession of Faith is, that all infants are under the atonement of Christ. And this is why infants go to heaven when they die. Now, let's, let, uh, let's start with the original sin, okay? Because... Original sin comes into the battle of, well, or, or the question of, well, do, do babies really go to heaven when they die? Because, you know, they're sinners. The, you know, scriptures are clear that by Adam, death spread to all his offspring. And that, you know, his offspring are born with fallen, with a sinful nature. They're, they're, there's a deprivation. They're not born with original righteousness. They're, they're, uh, they're lacking. Uh, they have, you know, again, you know, they have a nature that, that's prone to, to disobey and inclined and postured towards disobedience to God. They're, you know, they're born fallen. So now we know from the scriptures that God says that you know, the soul who sins will die and all sinners, they won't enter heaven. So babies, if they have a sinful nature, if original sin is true, how then are they going to heaven? How then are, are, are they going to heaven? And it will be argued that because of that, some people might might say that's why you know unless God does a work in them, they're going to go to hell. They're going to perish because they're 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 sinners, and this is just the doctrine of original sin. And and uh, you know another factor that comes into this is, is also the fact that you know scriptures are clear that there's there's no salvation apart from faith in Jesus Christ. So the only way to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ. So how how are babies who can't believe how are they able to go to heaven? 
How is somebody apart from faith in Jesus Christ, how are they able to go to heaven? And, and these are good questions. Like these are questions that we should ask and test the Bible. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a serious, uh, you know, objection. So let's, let's try to handle this. Let's, let's, let's try to, you know, figure out, okay, well, if, if original sin is true, if nobody's going to heaven apart from faith in Jesus Christ, and which by the way, both of these doctrines are absolutely true. Original sin is true. Salvation by faith alone in Jesus Christ is true. So that so nobody goes to heaven but by Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 You know, John 14, 6. So why why then are we saying, why then should we believe that infants, if they die before faith in Jesus Christ, if we know they're sinners, why should I have confidence that they're in heaven? And here's why. And if you notice too, if you're a good uh, theologian, if you're a good Wesleyan, you notice that Watson used the phrase or actual sin. So he so he talked about how um, he, um I'll just read it again it's on page seven forty one or sorry seven seven seventy six he says we gladly admit in opposition to the Calvinist Baptist that all children dying before actual sin committed so if you watch my entire sanctification video and or listen to the episode if if not uh, go back I talked about how there's two types of sin in Wesleyanism and Wesley Arminianism and even um you know you know some other theologies as well. And the two types of sin are there's there's one there's there's sin and two there's actual sin okay so there's sin and then there's actual sin so actual sin is what you and I actually do it's personal it's individual so i so i as as you know let's go back to when i was an infant i was born as a sinner but i didn't commit actual sin lucas because he didn't have the proper knowledge of sin and good and evil. God doesn't count that against me to my account. So the moment I am able to actually sin is a moment that that is imputed to my account, even though I'm a sinner. Okay. Now I know, you know, if, if that's the first time hearing it, you know, it might be a little, you know, a time to pause and think about that. But there's, there's two types of sin. There's sin and actual sin. So all babies, yes, they're, you know, they're sinners, but they haven't committed actual sin. And another way to say this that, that you might be familiar with this is that there's an age of accountability. Pretty much everybody who's been to church has heard this. There's, there's an age of accountability. And what that's saying is there reaches an age in a person's life where God accounts them or holds them accountable for their sin. And that's when the, like, in um, you know, lack of a better word, the clock starts ticking. Okay. You know, God starts keeping a scoreboard just as a bad illustration. So once you reach the age of accountability, that is when you are actually held accountable for your sins. And so what, what, what brings about this age of accountability? What, what is this age of accountability? Well, the age of accountability is simply the knowledge of good and evil. So Wesley distinguished, again, you know, going to reference my, uh, reference my entire sanctification video. He distinguished between uh, sin in two ways, sin and actual sin. But the way that he described it was voluntary sin and involuntary sin. So sin, according to John Wesley, was only the voluntary acts that we commit. So that means if Lucas Curcio knows it's, this is wrong, here's God's law, I shouldn't be doing this, and I do it anyway, that's a voluntary act on my will. I chose to do this. I willed myself to do this. This was my action. So that was a voluntary sin. So babies, they don't have this, this, this knowledge of good and evil, and therefore they don't commit voluntary sins. They're not willingly committing these voluntary acts. They're not posturing themselves consciously, knowing good and evil, and doing the evil anyway. They're not doing that. And therefore God doesn't hold them accountable. And so this is a great way, way to see 
and and deal with that objection. Well, if babies are, have original sin, if that's true, why are they going to heaven? Because they, they're sinners, yes, but they haven't committed actual sin. And a great scriptural way to see this is if you go to Romans 5, you can see the truth of original sin that through Adam, death entered the world and passed on to his offspring. But then you go to Ezekiel 18, when God says that the soul who sins shall die and the son won't be put to death for the sins of his father. That's what God says in Ezekiel 18. So God's saying, Lucas Curcio won't die for the sins of his father, Angelo. That's what God is saying. He says, every man who sins will die. And he's going to hold us accountable for our own sins, not the sins of the father. So Adam's sin was not passed down to us because God doesn't hold that accountable. What he holds us accountable is for the actual sins that we committed. But here, you know, here's another objection that, that we have to deal with and to discover if, or, or, you know, to get uh, past, um, you know, you know, again, like more objections that, that, that would, that would maybe not give us the confidence that babies go to heaven is okay. Well, they're, you know, you know, yes, maybe they're not committing actual sin, but they're still, you know, bearing the consequences of Adam's sin. So, so there's this lack of birthright that they have to heaven. Well, how are they getting into heaven then? Well, this is where the atonement of Christ comes into play. And this is why the, the Wesleyan or Methodist confession of faith, faith says that babies can be baptized because they're under the atonement of Christ. Because, again, they're under the atonement of Christ. Well, how so? You know, these babies aren't believing unless you're saying that babies are believing and God's making them believe in some way, somehow. Well, how, how are they under the atonement of Christ? Because the only way to be under the atonement of Christ is by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it, they're under the atonement of Christ because, as you remember what I said earlier, we have in uh, trying to think of a way or, you know, lost my thought. We have it, um, as a corresponding tooth to original sin, original grace. So what the first Adam did, the second Adam undid. So Christ corresponds to the truth of Adam. You can see this thought in Romans chapter 5. Through Adam, death came. Through Christ, life came. And there's this universality. Not that every man is getting saved, but that, but that what Christ did was for all men. And so Christ, as a second Adam, undid the first sin of Adam, which, you know, in this context, talking about infant salvation, was the racial guilt of Adam. So Jesus took away the racial guilt of Adam. He said, what's the racial guilt of Adam? Well, that's his, his you know, original transgression against God that passed on to all of his offspring. Jesus Christ, as a second Adam, removed that so that everybody, God can say everybody, yes, you know, um, you know, they're still born fallen, but they're going to hell, not for Adam's sin, but for their own sin. And so Christ takes away the racial guilt of Adam. And that in Wesleyan's, um, you know, systematic or the Wesleyan theo you know, theological framework is that that was the first benefit of the cross. Which, by the way, you know, you can read more about this in Brian Shelton's work, Provenient Grace. You know, you know, he talks about this uh, several times. But the first benefit of the cross of Jesus Christ in Wesleyan theology is that Christ removed the racial guilt of Adam. And so that God's grace goes out to all men. So all men, men. They're not dying for Adam's sin, but for their actual sin. So even though they're born sinners, even though they have sin, they're going to hell or they'll be held accountable for their actual sins that they commit, not the sins of Adam. Because the second Adam undid the first work of uh, the first Adam. And I'm going to read, not from Wesleyan, he's he's a um, classical Arminian, but he's one of my favorite um, you know, teachers uh, you know, and, and theologians. He's passed away. 
but I'm going to read the, a commentary from Lee Warrior Four Lines. That's a Randall House Bible commentary. I recommend that you get, that you get this commentary, by the way. Uh, one of the best commentaries on Romans chapter 9, by the way. I, um, I talked about this in Romans chapter 9, part, part 1, which I still owe you guys part 2 to the episode, so don't think I, I forgot about that. But he talks about infant salvation in, in, in his commentary, and he does that in Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read from his uh, commentary regarding this. I'm not going to read everything. But Lee Warrior Four Lines explains this very well, that that dealing with the issue, well, do infants die, or you know, when they die, do they go to heaven? What about original sin? Leroy Fourlines says this. In my view, there is racial sin and individual sin. There is racial guilt and individual guilt. You know, really another way to say that is there's sin and actual sin. But he here classifies it as racial sin and, and uh, individual sin. So he goes on to say, if we can have racial guilt and individual guilt, it is conceivable that we can also have justification from racial guilt as distinguished from individual guilt. The incarnation created that kind of solidarity with the race, which would make the application of atonement to remove racial guilt automatically. The solidarity with Christ, which brings justification from personal or individual guilt, requires a personal faith, which results in a personal union with Christ. In this view, Christ has already delivered the whole race from the penalty of racial guilt. So let me repeat that last phrase quoted. Fourline says, in this view, Christ has already taken, uh, I'm sorry, in this view, Christ has already delivered the whole race from the penalty of racial guilt. So Christ took away the racial guilt of Adam. So now men are not held accountable for that because it's under the atonement of Christ. And this is why Wesleyans say that all infants are under the atonement of Christ and why infants, when they die, they go to heaven despite original sin passing down to them because Christ removed that original guilt of Adam, that racial guilt that Adam that Adam brought onto the whole human race. And so all men die for their own actual sins. And since babies, they don't have a knowledge of good and evil, they're not held accountable for the sins. They haven't actually committed sin. They're in this sense safe and they're covered under the atonement of christ so they're going to heaven and um, a good way to, way to bring this out a little bit more you know um, i had a conversation with uh somebody recently and you know we were discussing this topic and he was you know objecting to it and 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 you know the objection that he brought up was was original sin again you know fine you know it's a good question right original sin well he actually believed that some babies despite despite um you know Maybe some, not all babies go to heaven. He believes that some babies probably do go to heaven, and, and that's God's choosing. So I asked him the question, well, if they have sin, what does God do with their sin? It, it has to be the atonement of Christ. And why does it have to be the atonement of Christ? Because the atonement of Christ is the only thing that takes away sin. So if if babies, you know, if, if some people who don't, you know, want to say that all babies go to heaven, probably more times than not, they'll, they'll still say that some babies probably went to heaven. Okay, well, what about their sin? The only remedy for sin is Christ. That's it. You know, there's no way out of it. So that means if God, even if you don't want to believe all babies go to heaven, if you want to say some babies have, well, the only way for God to remove their sin is the atonement of Christ, because that's the only provision for sin. So that means God is at least, even in that view, covering some people under the atonement of Jesus. But Wesleyans can have the confidence because Christ is the second Adam, that he did this for all mankind because he died for all mankind. And that's one of the first benefits of the atonement is that he removed the racial guilt 
of Adam. And this makes sense when we see things like Ezekiel 18. Like how, how would we reconcile things like Romans 8 where Adam's sin resulted in condemnation for all men? How do we reconcile that with Ezekiel 18 where, where God said previously that every man that goes to, to, to hell for his own sin and not for his father's? Well, because of Christ. Christ removed the racial guilt. And how did he do that? He did that because Christ, just like Adam, was a man. So what the first man uh, uh, did, the second man, uh, uh, man undid. And they did this because both of them were functioning as, as federal head heads for mankind. So, so, so there was a solidarity just by being human. But the, when regarding individual sins, the only way that that's removed is by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what happens through repentance and faith. We're born again. We're washed with, you know, you know, the regeneration Titus 3, 5 says. So going back, all infants in the Wesleyan system, because of the original grace of the second Adam, when they, they die, they're covered under the atonement of Christ. The racial guilt that was removed, despite the fact that they're sinners, their sin is removed in Christ and they have not committed actual sin. Therefore, God is not holding them accountable. He only holds them accountable once they reach that age of accountability. Now, I do want to bring up some scriptures regarding um, if there's a biblical case for accountability. You know, does, does does the Bible give us some evidence that that there is this idea that you know God waits till somebody has a knowledge of good and evil and then He holds them accountable? And there is, there is. And and if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy one, Deuteronomy chapter one and verse thirty nine. And there God tells the Israelites, Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. So to give you the context, God is talking to the rebellious Jews who were in the wilderness. He did For 40 years, he did this to test them. They rebelled. And he says, because they, they were unbelievers in their heart, I'm not going to let them see the promised land and enter into it. But he told their, them that their children he will let in. Well, why? Why would God let their children in? Aren't, aren't they sinners too? Well, well, he explains, your little ones and your children, whom you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge in good and evil. So there we have God saying that their little ones, they have no knowledge of good and evil. Well, how can he say that? Well, because he's God and he knows it. So God is saying that, that hey, your your kids, I'm going to let them into the promised land. And the reason why is because they have no knowledge of good and evil. So God wasn't holding them accountable, even though that 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 they're you know they're born fallen, he's still letting them in the promised land, but not their parents. Why not? Because their parents committed actual sin. And you can see this even if you go to Isaiah 7, uh, I'm sorry, not 17, Isaiah chapter 7, where it talks about the virgin birth, you know, gives a prophecy regarding. Um, well, you know, there's a double fulfillment regarding the child that will be born to a virgin um, in that time for, for Ahaz. But we know that was doubly fulfilled in Christ when he was born of the Virgin Mary. But it says that he had no knowledge of good and evil there. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 19, which is another powerful uh, chapter regarding the, 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 you know, this topic where the Israelites are offering up their children to sacrifices to the Molech God. And God says that you know they have shed the blood of blood of the innocents. Well, how is God calling the blood of children innocent? God called. I mean, that's what God says. He calls their blood innocent. That they, that they killed the blood of the innocent. Well, how can He say that? Because there's an age of accountability, and God knows that babies don't have the knowledge of good and evil. How do we know that? Because He said it. He said it. 
Then if you look at the example of uh, of King David when his 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 baby died, he says, um, you know, I'll I'll go. To, uh, he won't come to me, but I'll go to him. Well, where is David going when he died? He's going to heaven. So where does David believe that his child was? Well, you believe his child was in heaven. Then you have, you know, Matthew chapter 19 or Luke 18, where Christ says, you know, let the little children come to me. And he put his hands on them. You know, that was like a blessing. So that literally happened. So Christ says, let the little children come to me, even though the apostles at one point were, were, were hindering them. Jesus says, let them come to me. So, you know, if, 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 if you look at the Bible as a whole systematically, is it really hard to believe that infants go to heaven? If we, if we see verses like Deuteronomy where I'm going to let your kids in, they have no knowledge of good and evil. Hey, you know, you guys sacrifice innocent blood to your God Molech, which is infants. If, if David says, I'll go to him, you know, um, you know, when I die, which is in heaven, he had the confidence that his baby's in heaven. If Jesus says, let the little children come to me for of such is kingdom of God. Is it really hard to say that when babies die, they go to heaven? No, it's not a stretch at all. It's very easy to say that. And we don't, you know, have to, you know, resort to mystery because of original sin. Christ, as a second Adam, took away by his original act of grace, takes away the, the racial guilt, so that all babies are covered under his atonement. They're safe. They're safe. And this is the beautiful doctrine. So Christ is the corresponding truth to the first Adam. What the first Adam did, the second Adam undid, and the first benefits of the cross of the atonement was that all men have the racial guilt of Adam removed and there's a difference between sin and actual sin and we go to hell and are held accountable for our own sin, our actual sin. So if you're a parent out there who, uh, you know, maybe you, you experienced this, this deep, deep loss, I mean, you know, I can't begin to, uh, you know, fathom how, how much that, you know, that, you know, you know how, how, how deep that pain goes. You can have confidence that, You'll go to him. You'll go to her. In, in heaven, you'll see your baby. Christ has them. They're under the atonement of Christ. Guys, if you can please like, share, and subscribe to Method Ministries, that'd be fantastic. I'd be very grateful. You can, you can drop a review on Spotify or Apple and share more. And please follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let me know what you think in the comments. Any questions, reach out to me. And I'm always happy to have a conversation. Until next time, God bless.